Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies. Everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Hi, I'm Suzanne Syracuse, and welcome to my new podcast, Focused on the Future, Keys to Building a Profitable, Sustainable, and Impactful Business. And I am excited to be partnering with WealthManagement.com on this. This series will focus on what firms need to embrace to ensure their growth and success for the future. And you'll hear from industry leaders and advisors on what is working for them. The content is directed at firms that are already successful and looking to stay that way, and also for those who are focused on taking their firms to that next level. I have a great lineup of guests in store, and today I'm talking with Christy Rodriguez. Christy is Senior Vice President at the Nationwide Retirement Institute and President of the Financial Alliance for Racial Equity. So welcome, Christy. It is so great to have you on. Very excited to speak with you. And thanks for taking the time today to share your thoughts with our listeners. Thank you so much, Suzanne. A pleasure to be here. Great. So so let's start off with this. This podcast is all about the future and what firms and individuals need to do to be successful now and in the future. So what are some key areas that you're focused on at the Nationwide Retirement Institute to serve current and future clients of advisors? Great. Yeah, first, I love the whole notion of focusing on where we're going. So kudos to you and your platform for this. I would say at the Nationwide Retirement Institute, we see a number of macro trends and we want to stay ahead of those. And some of those in particular that we're really focused on are how do we redefine retirement income? As you're well aware, and so is your listeners, that a number of our focus in our industry has been all about accumulation. And so at the Nationwide Retirement Institute, we went into some deep study about a year and a half ago, quantitative and qualitative, really around this notion of what do individuals need to think of when they're thinking about their retirement income? Particularly, we're thinking about what are some solutions? We know that outside of housing, healthcare costs is going to be prominent. We know some of the safety nets of other secure places where uh, we would have retirement income are not always there. And so a couple of things that Nationwide has really embarked on is really taking this notion of safety first, helping individuals understand what do they need in terms of retirement income and then did a lot of tools and and resources and and other uh, areas that we focused on that. But one of the great byproducts that also came about around that is a way that we're thinking about a product solution. So now embedded in our retirement solutions business, we have in-plan guarantees. And so again, this is speaking to the notion that generally one and well actually one in two Americans when we surveyed them said 
I want to have guaranteed income in retirement. And what better place to place this into their 401k or their 403b as a safety net? So it wasn't just about the insights that we were getting from the research, but really what are some of those tangible solutions that we would be able to help close the gap for so many Americans facing that challenge and giving them the education that they need? Yeah, and Another I would place- think that, um, I'm sorry, Chrissy, I would think yeah. that that is really, it makes it a little bit easier for them too, right? It's Absolutely. It's, right. That is, a, I think, one of the, the things that, that I've seen in my experience is sometimes investors don't know where to go, what to turn to, what they should be selecting in their 401k choices. So that's a really great idea. I love that. And I love that you touched on that because it gives the benefit when you think about combining the insights with the actions and then a solution that can solve for it, it gives a very holistic approach to help individuals not only understand, but to engage. So extremely powerful. That's wonderful. What are some of the other things that you're working on there? Yeah, some of the other things, and you know, I have to credit having two young daughters now, one that's embarking in the workplaces. How are we thinking about younger generations? Uh, and again, you know, millennials have been a prominent uh, area of focus, but I think now in our industry, we really need to start thinking about those younger generations, such as Gen Z, who are coming up right behind them. And so I'm so pleased that within the Nationwide Retirement Institute and the Nationwide Financial, we have really been on the forefront of partnering with policy around the Secure Act 2.0 and really trying to, again, get out to younger generations around their insecurities. They don't likely will have pensions. Uh, Social security and some of those other mechanisms that they we've had in future generations are no longer an option for them. So I'm really excited about the fact that we're not only just engaging in this in policy, but again, to that point of how are we connecting this to be actionable, we're working with our employer plans to say, let us help you implement a way that you're thinking about uh, student loan matching for those individuals and really educating them on the importance of accumulation uh, and thinking about that compound interest if they get engaged with saving and planning much early on. And we're doing it in a way that's unique for them. What I love is when I often speak to younger generations is I tell them it's not an all or nothing approach. You can pay down your debt, you can plan to live in a home, and you can also have a secure retirement, but it's all about how you prepare and create for the future. And so I think now in our industry, more than ever, we're going to have to start thinking about these younger generations and how we engage with them and bring them much earlier into the conversation and into the planning process to be successful. Yeah, I love that. You know, last week on my podcast, I talked to Tyrone Ross and he was talking, his firm is completely focused on Henry's and just you also like between more and more of, I would say the firms that are really looking to the future and really preparing for what that future investor is going to want are thinking about these exact things that you're talking about. Like that three, you know, it used to be back in the day when I was younger, you know, the three-legged stool, you'd have these three areas of income, generating income in retirement. And to your point, less and less pension, who knows what's happening with social security, but just really getting them more like financially literate at a much younger age. I love that. 
Yeah, Suzanne, you just nailed the one I don't want to leave the audience without thinking about. We talked about pension, Social Security, and Medicare. Uh, these are all <laughs> things that are going to uh, really be a challenge for younger generations. And I'm so excited that there's a lot of focus and energy around this within our industry now. Yeah, so, so important. And again, just making sure that advisors are thinking about these things and knowing that these solutions exist when they're talking maybe not only just to their front, but like their primary client, but also to engage with their primary client's children, right? That is a discussion I hear time and time again. How do you make sure you don't lose that primary client's business when there is a transfer of wealth, right? So important. That's succession planning at its finest. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, those are some great solutions. So Making and leaving a positive impact is, I know personally, because I know you personally, um, is really important to you. And it's, it's also important to a lot of people in this industry. But you turned words into action. And you've started a 501c6 called the Financial Alliance for Racial Equity. So talk to me about what that is and why you were compelled to create it. Yeah, so I'll say that definitely I sat in the visionary seat, but I'm so blessed and fortunate that I had a team of folks who believed in me early on. And, and I'll just have to just maybe back up just one second, Suzanne, and give credit to my leader, John Carter, who is the Nationwide Financial President and COO of Nationwide. I went to him early on after the unfortunate passing of George Floyd and just really had a burning in my spirit that if we were really gonna have change, change was really in what we could control. And so we had a pretty much a, a two-year research project around the lack of financial professionals in our industry. And so we were sitting on that research. And one of the things that I shared with John, who has been a tremendous sponsor and a believer is, what if we took this to the industry? So you can imagine uh, he probably laughed <laughs> uh, in the beginning thinking, okay, you not only want to do something outside of our company, you want to change uh, the industry. You know, that's a lofty goal and how will you go about it? But I shared with him the impacts that we found in the research were so powerful around black financial professionals not feeling a place in the industry and being grossly underrepresented. And I knew that from the standpoint of looking at them matriculating in undergraduate programs as well as early in career, that we had to make a change. And so essentially what happened is I took this research to some of our critical industry partners, and this was in, uh, in late 2020, and with some historically black colleges and universities and industry partners and said, let's band together. None of us are gonna achieve this type of success alone. Mm -hmm. In fact, we're gonna keep swapping talent or we're not gonna be utilizing the best of resources. Yeah. And I always stick by that African proverb, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go with others. And that is essentially what we have done. We have gone so far in this less than two and a half years of formulating the Financial Alliance of Racial Equity. And again, it just started with an idea 
that we needed to come together, not only as an industry, but to bring together academic institutions of historically black colleges and universities that have traditionally been underserved and create a platform that would be a pipeline, not only to recruit, but once we get individuals in, how are we investing in their development and sustaining them to take various paths in this full ecosystem that we call our great financial services industry. And so when you ask the question about legacy, I, I just feel that that's so tremendously important. And at this juncture in my career, if, if I could only be remembered for one thing, I, I really wanted to be remembered as giving back. That is to me the most important. I feel like early in your career you learn uh, and then you earn and then it's your opportunity to teach. And so this has just been extremely powerful, uh, not only just to see the benefits of the labor of some of us and you were there alongside in the beginning, but also now to see the impact that we're having with students and with also with individuals and firms as these associates and employees matriculate through their various firms and organizations and having great impact. Oh my gosh, what a what an amazing idea. You said a lot of things there. I want to follow up on a couple of them. First of all, I love that African proverb. John Carter, um, you mentioned, is actually who introduced us. Um, yes. And uh, when I was at Investment News and um, and he knew I knew a lot of people in the industry and wanted to make sure that you were exposed to a lot of leaders in the industry. And I always say that's the true definition of what a male ally is. So I think that that is, is so important when you're talking to a lot of especially white male leaders, what can they do to help with, uh, help with um, really supporting, whether it's women or other underrepresented groups, that's a perfect example make some introductions, introduce them to your network. I mean, I love that. Also too, I love that learn, earn, teach. I think a lot of people that are listening that are in the generation that I am, I'm definitely in more of that teach capacity now and I love it. But just the importance of going together and joining forces together to create something that's going to leave a bigger impact is just really critical. I do have a question. Um, you mentioned that there's HBCU members. So how did that all come about? Like, did you just get on the phone and start calling HBCUs to get involved in this? Like, how did that work? Yeah, so I should back up. Part of the research, <laughs> we surveyed 31 historically black colleges and universities. But to your point, when you're taking research and you're cultivating it to insights to make action, we knew we could not obviously engage with 31 historically black colleges and universities. So to your point, it was literally myself and I have a great colleague, uh, Cynthia Hose. We're both graduates of historically black colleges and universities. And we got on the phone and we called. We started with our alma maters and then we called um, additional schools that we knew had strong business programs or either advocacy for their students. And so it was a little bit like dialing, uh, dialing for dollars, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> even as it related to the firms, but it was humbling in the sense that we knew we didn't have all the answers. We knew we had something powerful behind us. We had rich data 
And we knew we had an opportunity again together to sell the proposition that we could go much further together. And I will tell you, I was shocked, you know, early on, we even in our first press release had the longest standing um, president uh, uh, in history. Uh, he was uh, President Harvey of Hampton University actually write a quote for our press release on how impressed he was with the fact that we were one of the few individuals reaching out to him after George Floyd and not just throwing a check, but saying, how can we come in and make sustainable change? And so it was really powerful. And I think uh, just our passion illuminated. And then, you know, you think about it, one plus one plus one, you bring other firms in, NFP, Franklin Templeton, and a vast number of other firms that joined us early on, galvanized behind it, and were really a driving force, not only for us in the beginning, but also in a way when we start thinking about ways to convey students and individuals early in career uh, to get exposed to the industry. And so we pulled dollars together uh, and eventually we sit where we are now, uh, creating this 501c6 that is going to continue to live on well beyond us. I, you know, I, you'll find I'm full of quotes, I always say <laughs> as well, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the fact that I am working with such talented, bright individuals to plant a tree on a shade that I may never see the full benefits of. And to me, that's extremely powerful. And I just give a lot of credit, not only to the firms that were initially involved in the industry of partners that are initially involved, but the ones that we have joined along the way and how they continue to bring innovative ideas of how we can continue to make an imprint in our industry. And, and to be honest with you, Suzanne, we're just getting started. Uh, you know, we are focused because the research was centered around black Americans, but we see this going out to other underserved and underrepresented groups within our industry and how we're going to bring them along as well. So I'm so excited, not only about what we've accomplished, but what the future holds. Ah, I love that. That's so critical. And I love that you guys really banded together with, with a group. It was interesting to hear. I always like to hear how things got started. So um, thanks Thanks so much for sharing that. That's so important. And interestingly, a couple podcasts ago, I interviewed Michael Nathanson, who's the CEO of the Colony Group. And he talked about a kind of, you know, similar but different, you know, this net positive pledge where he's trying to get 50 firms to take this pledge where you leave the industry in a better place than where it start when where you started in it. And just I think we're seeing more and more firms, that's why this podcast was created, about really looking towards what they can leave in the future, what they can do in the future to leave a legacy for others to come into this this great industry that we're in. You know, Suzanne, um, yeah. just one thing I would love to share is that what you said was so powerful, and I don't want to leave without mentioning this with the Financial Alliance of Racial Equity, tangible outcomes are critical. And so I think again about, you know, just a short time span, uh, the amount of interns that we've been able to hire across our firms, full-time employees beginning their careers, establishing a partnership with the CFP board to distribute over $120,000 worth of scholarships. Wow. These are all tangible ways that we're gonna continue to drive. So it's moving beyond just the talk and the feel good, but how are we making substantial impact to continue this growth? I'm so glad that's like a perfect segue to my next question, Christy. 
Um, so we all know how important people are, right, to any firm's success, but our industry's been challenged with attracting next-gen and diverse talent. So what are some proven techniques and or programs that you've seen be effective in really broadening that talent pool into the financial services industry? And you started, you kind of alluded to one, which is these um, scholarships for for those to take their CFP. So I, I guess that's one of them. What are, are there other things that you've seen that's really worked to produce these outcomes that you alluded to? Absolutely. I think what we've seen that has been proven is we've balled up the way that we traditionally have engaged and approached and really focused on what is going to attract these individuals. And so part of going back to the entire mission affair, it wasn't just looking at one particular track in financial services. Again, it was looking at that full ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so what we were starting to do with students and with younger people is whether you have a background or you have a passion around being a marketer or in legal or in compliance or in you know accounting and finance and technology, we need you. And so what has been really profound is we've created a couple of different platforms. We've had one that early in the pandemic that was all virtual that we brought students in to hear about those different roles. But more importantly, what we also did is we paired when we talked about those roles, individuals that were early in career and those individuals who were late in career, because we wanted not only particularly as I think about, uh, you know, black financial professionals, even such as myself, I didn't see a lot of people who look like me. And I see a lot of people who could, I thought could relate to me. And so we really wanted to hone in on, you can see, yourself in this industry in all the different things that you enjoy doing. You would be amazed how many students we've had that said, I wanted to be an influencer, but now I think I can utilize that within the industry. In fact, last summer uh, at Nationwide, we had our first FAIR intern who was a uh, rising sophomore at Howard University, which I thought was phenomenal. So she came from one of our schools and she was a journalism major. By the time she left our Love internship, <laughs> she was minoring in finance and she was thinking of a way to pair those two things together. And so I would just say, definitely when it comes to students, meet them where they are. When you're thinking about underserved communities, you have to think about what are some non-traditional ways that you engage. And I got this tidbit from my daughter. She said, hey, mom, if you want people to come to your fair HBCU Connect, give us a DoorDash gift card. <laughs> and yeah. it was just amazing <laughs> that, you know, these students, you know, they, they're like any other students, they galvanize, but we also tried to make it as much as we possibly could culturally relevant, but also pairing it with the traditional aspects that they'll need to actually obtain a role and matriculate. And like I said, that could not be done by one company alone. We had so many phenomenal ideas that came from our other um, fair firm partners and industry partners that allowed us to really, um, you know, advance that. The one I'll just really close with that I love, the American College of Financial Services created a digital platform called 
know yourself, grow your wealth. And that has been tremendously powerful when we start sharing with students the ways that not only they can think about the industry, but how they can actually prepare to save. And we've created ambassadors within uh, these historically black colleges and universities <clears throat> who are now educating other students really around the importance of that as well. So again, none of this could have come together in disparate parts, but really that power of coming together and thinking very uniquely on how we were going to engage and attract a totally different generation of students and young professionals in our industry. Wow, that is that is fascinating. And I think like the mentorship, the internship, the career fair, like there's so many different ways in which you were testing the waters to see what was what actually like were, were driving outcomes and then it all kind of being based on that original research that you did years ago. That's so important. And I think that, you know, again, so many firms that are that are out there want to figure this out. So I know that um, in the resources section, when we post this podcast, they'll be able to get some more information about the Financial Alliance or racial equity and some of the great programs you're putting on. I always say like, you don't have to build everything from scratch. You know, if somebody's got something effective going, you know, join them or or utilize some of the resources that are already created. I love what the American College is doing, being at, at their um, at their annual conference for African-Americans was was incredibly inspiring to see. And if you those listening haven't attended, I suggest you attend because it will give you some insight into the future of our industry and understanding what's important to different cultures and different groups. So I, I, I think that those were some great examples, Christy. Thank you for what you're doing to really future-proof our industry. Um, Absolutely. So I'm asking all my guests the same question at the end of the podcast, which is, what is your last line? So what is your last line for today with the title and theme of the podcast focused on the future in mind? What is one key takeaway you'd like to leave our audience with? I love that question, Suzanne, so much. <laughs> I would say focus on the possibility and not the product. And when I say focus on the possibility, we are in a totally new generation of clients that you're going to serve. Think about the possibility, the empathy that you can bring to them versus just providing a product. That would be like my number one takeaway and it's my number one driver, even as I think about my work every day. And Suzanne, to your point, uh, any of the viewers, when you get this link, all of our material is white labeled. Please leverage it, utilize it. It's yours. We want to be able to curate those insights to allow you to have those powerful conversations with your clients to focus on their possibilities and the ways that they can continue to grow. I love that. That's such a great last line. That should be a T-shirt. Chris, you've got a lot <laughs> of like really good, you know, one-liner elevator pitch quotes. We need to like put them all in a book. <laughs> Let's do it. I know you and I could do it together. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it for sure. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing so much incredibly useful and interesting information with us today all around what it takes to be successful now and in the future. And you really provided some great ideas 
for other firms to think about and actually use as templates for what they're trying to build out as well. So thank you for that. I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Thanks for listening and tune in next week when I sit down with one of my mentors, the godfather of practice management and the former CEO of Pershing Advisor Solutions, Mark Tabersian. Thanks again. This material is not a recommendation to buy or sell a financial product or to adopt an investment strategy. Investors should discuss their specific situation with their financial professional. Guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, NISC, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Nationwide Retirement Institute is a division of NISC. Nationwide, the Nationwide N and Eagle. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Retirement Institute. FAIR and Financial Alliance for Racial Equity are service marks of Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide. Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies. Everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor.